cards today and we'll find solutions that work best for you. Ask about our exclusive fixed price agreement, one annual fee, unlimited phone calls and meetings. Parker Mellinger, 1811 South Sheridan Avenue, Sheridan. The following message is presented by Century21BHJ.com. Sheridan Prosser Parent Exchange invites you to celebrate our 10th anniversary with a We Love Our Community Party. Please join us Sunday, March 12th from 1 to 4 p.m. at the Sheridan County Fairgrounds. We'll have fun, prizes, live music, desserts, and more. We'll also be auctioning a 10th anniversary fly rod and reel donated by Joy's Fly Fishing Foundation. We'll see you at the fairgrounds March 12th from 1 to 4 p.m. to celebrate this community that helps make our work possible. Quick, name the first real estate company that comes to your mind. How about a bank? Car dealership. Do you think your company came to mind first? A customer might not need your product or service today, tomorrow, or even next week, but when they do, you want them to know who you are and what you have to offer before your competitor. Hi, this is Bob Grammons with Shared Media. Shared Media can help you create top-of-mind awareness through a variety of marketing strategies that includes coverage on up to nine radio stations, print ads in the country bounty that reach nearly 18,000 households in Sheridan and Johnson County via direct mail, or online with a variety of our digital products that include SheridanMedia.com, SheridanWyoming.com, email campaigns, geotargeting, and more. We are your top-of-mind marketing company. Let us go to work for you. Call Sheridan Media today or email sales at SheridanMedia.com. Sheridan Media is an employee-owned company. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. Now the roads are a little bit dangerous out there, folks. So on your way up here or on your way out of town, please take your time. Be cautious. Uh, If you've listened to the show, you know that this is something that I preach. I drive over from Buffalo every morning and it was a little hairy this morning. But I wanted to be here for this one. A Harvard graduate, he received his Juris Doctorate from the University of Wyoming. He was mayor of Sheridan an intern for U.S. Senator Malcolm Wallop, a research director on Al Simpson's Senate campaign, and an assistant campaign manager on Pete Simpson's gubernatorial campaign. The senator for District 22 since 2014. He sits on the Management Council Committee, is a member of the Senate Rules and Procedure Committee, and is the chair of the Senate Appropriations Committee. Welcome to the show, District 22 Senator Dave Kinski. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hey, Floyd. I'm great. Thanks. I'm great. Thanks for having me here. I'll tell you, this is the first uh, anything I've done since getting back from Cheyenne on Friday. So this is really a delight to be here and to spend time with you and to kind of visit about the last, uh, well, the last 40-day session, which actually works out. It was eight weeks. And then I have two weeks in December before that for appropriation. So it's been it's been ten weeks, and it's really nice to get back home. <laughs> I imagine it is wrapped up in that world down there. Yeah, uh, it's for, a bubble. Yeah, yeah. And and for those out out in the audience, uh, what is that like to kind of just transfer? You know, maybe someone out there is thinking, I want to run. What is it like to put everything on hold and head to Cheyenne for that amount of time? Well, that's exactly right. You have to be able to put everything on hold. So it's not a full-time gig. 
it's 40 days in one year and, and 20 days in another, which by the time you throw in weekends, you're talking about eight to, to six weeks. And um, you see a lot of people that are retired or like me, semi-retired. It's uh, really hard to just shut everything down, go to Cheyenne and then come back and try to start everything back up. Yeah. It's, it's worth it. It's worth the sacrifice. Um, the hard part of Cheyenne is just not as nice as being up here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> especially in the winter. Their, their winters can get pretty, pretty gray and pretty bleak, but it's, um, you're almost like a vampire. I mean, you go to work when it's dark and you come home when it's dark Yeah. and you're wearing a suit and toe, suit and tie for 12 hours a day. But, uh, it's interesting. It's fascinating. It's, uh, it's rewarding if you can come away feeling like you did something good for Johnson County and Sheridan County. If you can come away feeling like you did something good for the state of Wyoming and the people that you represent. And this session, for as rough as it was, I, I feel like I can come away feeling like we did some good. Yeah. Did some good. It's fulfilling in that respect it is uh, and and to have to uh, you know if you folks if you are thinking about running for office that's really the goal isn't it i mean to to act in ways that your constituents uh have elected you to do uh to listen to their concerns take them to the flagpole make sure that they're addressed if you can accomplish all that which is a battle in and of itself exactly sometimes. But if you can accomplish all that, it makes all that sacrifice worth it. And a legislative role is so much different than than uh, my career had always been as a as a business leader, an executive, or or in in the case of the city as a mayor, where you have a little bit more ability to set the agenda down there. You've got ninety three representatives and senators. You've got the executive branch. You have all kinds of lobbyists. Yeah. And so it's it's tougher to come away feeling like you know I I, I made a contribution. Yeah. Um, but this one, I think there were some, there were some big takeaways there. I think we got some good things done on property tax reform, which was something we heard quite a bit about. Um, we put $1.4 billion into savings, which to me is a huge deal. That's something that says, we're going to put that away from the future. That's not about you and me and the now this is about people to follow us. Mm -hmm. Let's do the right thing and, and take this one time bonanza that is just a is fallout from runaway property taxes, but mostly from a war in Ukraine and an administration that's trying to shut down energy and has artificially pumped the prices way up to where we had, uh, you know, billions of dollars coming in one time. And uh, we managed to sock away $1.4 into savings, which was just remarkable. It at first, I didn't know if we were going to get there. I just I do want to pat myself on the back for this one thing, Floyd. Before the session ever began, I was talking to some of my um, compatriots, and I said, what if we set our cap on putting $1.2 billion into savings? And and one of them said, you know, it's a noble aspiration. It'll never happen. Yeah. And we went past the $1.2. We went to $1.4 billion. I'm so happy to see that. Now, originally, I wanted all of it to go into the permanent funds, which means no politician can ever appropriate out of that money, only earnings. We put about half of it, $700 million to permanent and $700 million into some reserves to help K-12 and to help the state. If, if we ever get in the soup again, those reserves will help tide us over. And so it's still savings. So $1.4 I think, is a big deal. Yeah. I think the last time you saw uh, 
in my lifetime, the last time you saw a legislative body voluntarily walk away from that kind of money, um, at walk away in the sense of not wanting to spend it themselves, was probably 1974, when the legislature established the Permanent Mineral Trust Fund. When it was first set up. Yeah, they established a, an additional severance tax on oil, gas, and coal, and said all of this money is going to go into a Permanent Mineral Trust Fund. They put that on the ballot as a constitutional amendment, and it passed. That was a big deal back then, because, you know, the state, uh, you know, needed the money. But they said, we're going to do this for the future. And uh, I think we saw everybody come together pretty much in this last session to say, we're going to do the right thing for the future. And that, that was gratifying to see that happen. And I felt good about the fact that uh, at, at the outset, I was told it was never going to happen. It feels good to see it happen. <laughs> to actually see it happen, yeah. <laughs> that, that hope ripped away from you just yeah. a little bit. And then you yeah. continue to question yourself through every stage. Oh, Is yeah. this going to take place? Is yeah. this going to happen? Yeah. Now, folks, I do want you to know that uh, if you would like to give us a call, I would invite you to do so. But please have your question prepared, and please be brief. I've got a lot to cover with the senator. 674-4443 is the number to call. Now, sir, this year, even before you took off, uh, you you knew the amount uh, that was coming in that you had to deal with, and, and you wanted to put a lot of that into savings. What other thoughts were kind of going through your head even before you left to sit with uh, the committee? Well, my, you know, I was apprehensive, Floyd. I'm, I'm fairly skeptical about politics and the political system. It, I think it takes a lot sometimes to, to make sure that the right thing happens. So I was worried. I think I expressed to you I was worried that people would get down there and they would forget the last bust. Yeah. Right? That happens. And I've been through several busts myself. A lot of people in Wyoming have. And it's some people, the memory is very short when that last bust is over and the boom is on. Uh, fortunately, that didn't happen, and and people remembered the scars of the last bust and just said, "We're gonna we're gonna try and put as much of this money away as we can." The other thing that I was concerned about was on property tax reform. I think there was such a hue and a cry, and there were so many people who really wanted to see it happen. And there were 21 bills, and I I think I expressed to you on the show. My concern is that there would be so many bills that nobody would ever really focus on on the one thing that needed to happen. And actually get something accomplished. And, and actually get something accomplished. So 20 bills died. Uh, a bill that I worked very hard on turned out to have some defects ran up against our Constitution. So I had to abandon that approach and then pivoted to the approach suggested to us by former Representative Mike Madden, now a Buffalo City Councilman said, just look at the percentage of assessed value. So if you've got a home and there's a fair market value, there's only a certain percentage of that on which your tax is calculated. For a home, it's 9.5%. He said, just back that off. Taxes have gone up by 30%, back that down, so that people get back to about where they would have been, but for this huge run-up in property taxes. That, too, um, ran into some constitutional problems. And... It ran into two problems. One is constitutionally, um, we tried to back it way down, and there's a limit in our constitution as to how much spread you can have between different types of property tax classes, if that makes sense. So there's mineral. We have three classes of property: minerals, industrial, and quote all other. 
and you can't have oh an agricultural you can't have too big a gap between them by constitution and they did that to make sure you don't try and load all the burden on an industry and everybody else kind of skates Mm -hmm. and so we had to back away from the amount of the property tax cut that we were going to give due to that constitutional concern and then the other problem we had is not every county in the state had a big run-up in property taxes like Johnson and Sheridan County, right? I mean, I opened my property tax bill. It went up by 30%, but there's wow. parts there's parts of the state where it's flat. So when you say, we're going to go from, you know, 9.5% assessment to 8.5% assessment, in Sheridan and Johnson, the government will still have more money. But in places like Bags, Wyoming, it's a net cut. It's cutting revenue, yeah. It is cutting them below. And some of these places hardly have two nickels to rub together anyway. So we had to cobble together this thing to try and backfill, you know, make up the loss to some of those governments. And it got very complicated very quickly. But we got that bill out of the Senate, went over the House where it died. So I I was pretty discouraged thinking that we were going to come away with not doing very much. But then at the last minute, at the very last minute, there was a constitutional amendment that a colleague of mine had been running that was to create an exception for elderly and the infirm on their property taxes. Well, it got completely rewritten to say we are going to create a new class of property called residential with a subclass called primary residence. So our constitution limits the number of property class taxes, uh, property tax classes. This is create a new class called residential. And our constitution prohibits, for some reason, subclasses of property. So this said we're going to create a subclass called primary residence. And that'll go on the ballot next year. And uh, assuming it passes, which I think it will, that gives the legislature the ability to say, okay, now we're going to have a special property tax class called primary residence, and and hopefully they'll back off the amount of the burden. The downside to that is it's going to take two to three years to get any relief, which yep. is too long, which is why I was never a big fan of constitutional amendments. But this was, a, this was a horse that came along at the last minute. I mean, it was Tuesday of the last week that somebody said somebody decided to amend this constitutional amendment and the House sent it back over to the Senate. We got it on Thursday, passed it on Thursday to get it to the governor's desk on Friday, the last day of the session. The last hour. The last hour. I thought it was dead, and this thing just came out of nowhere. Now, here was the, here was the, here was the problem with it. Again, constitutional concern. Our Constitution says every bill, whatever the title of that bill is, you cannot change the bill in such a manner as to change the original purpose of the bill. So if you say, this is a bill, um, this is a bill to, uh, uh, you know, uh, create a property tax for the elderly and the infirm, an an exemption, and you completely rewrite it to say, we're gonna create an exemption for primary residents, you just changed the original purpose of the bill as expressed in the title. Now. They did that back in territorial days because they they said, whatever you're calling that bill, that's what the public believes that bill to be. Don't do the old switcheroo at the last minute and make it something completely different. So we had a huge debate in the Senate on that. Look, this started out as one thing, and now we've morphed it into something else. Does that violate the Constitution? Well, it passed by one vote. 
on the second to the last day of session, you had to have two-thirds. That's 21 votes. We had 22. One vote margin. And I think what carried the day, at least the, what carried the day for me is, yeah, it, it, it does violate the Constitution. But, you know, if you put it on the ballot and the public approves it as an amendment, no harm, no foul. That's the key. Although, like you said, it will take more time to get it done. Mm -hmm. This makes it legal to the Constitution. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, like you said, a lot of work, uh, a lot of time, but relief is on the way by creating this subset. Well, in the meantime, there's an existing bill Uh, There's an existing statute that gives uh, people who qualify a a tax refund. I'm not a big fan because it's limited to just a certain number of people, and there's all kinds of folks that could use relief. But for what it's worth, that, that statute was modified to make more people eligible. So that's good. That's better than nothing, right? Right. So that statute is limited. Currently, you can't qualify for a refund if your income exceeds 75% of the average income. That was, that was changed to 125%, which for Johnson and Sheridan County is about $86,000. That's a lot of money. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good, yeah. So a lot of people could potentially qualify. And then it also has an asset test, which was $130,000. Thirty-three thousand dollars. You can't if your assets exceed one hundred thirty-three thousand. You don't qualify. That was changed to one hundred and fifty. But there's a list of everything that's exempted. They don't count your car. They don't count your house. They don't count your retirement. They don't count uh, life insurance policies. They don't count a medical savings account. So a lot more people potentially can qualify. So anybody who's interested, I would urge you. Uh, to get a hold of the courthouse, I believe it's the um, county treasurer's office that handles that that program, and uh, find out all the information you can because there is a deadline. I think it's coming up within the next couple of months, and if you miss the deadline, you miss the deadline. Yeah. So anybody that's interested, uh, I'd urge you to get a hold of the uh, county and make sure that you do whatever you need to do to get signed up for it. As soon as possible. Get Absolutely. that process going right now. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I don't know how long this would take. Do you know anything about the application process itself, sir? Well, I th- to the best of my recollection is you've got to have it in by uh, May, and then this, the state has to see how many applications there are in total. So it's, it's, it's a period of months uh, before they finally know who's going to get how much. And then I believe it goes as a refund against your, your property taxes from that point forward. So it's slow, you know, it's government, it's slow, but Hey, you know, money's money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially in this day and age. Exactly. Uh, Penny earned, penny saved or all right. Well, penny saved a penny earned. There you go. go. I had it backwards. You and Benjamin Franklin. (laughs) Both of us together. All right. When we come back, we're going to have more with Senator Dave Kinski. This is Public Pulse at 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Shared. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media as part of their community commitment 
307 Discovery Center is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. I'm here today with Candace Crane from Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Tommy, hi. I'm kind of sad. Snowmobile season is coming to an end, but you know what that means. Say Patty's Day. No, I'm talking about spring break for 2024 Ski-Doo and Link Sleds. What's spring break? It's when you can pre-order one of the 2024 models and get an extra year of warranty or $750 worth of parts and accessories for free. I guess it's time to spread the word about spring break. It is. Stop in before March 31st to put your deposit in for your dream machine. Visit Sheridan Power Sports for your spring break needs. Rackleton's fine food and spirits for dinner tonight. How about Andy's chilled pasta salad with shells, lemon basil aioli, oven dried tomatoes, and breaded chicken. Or the Frack Burger, a six-ounce hand-pattied beef with avocado spread, bacon, butter, lettuce, Thousand Island, and brioche bun. Or try our tenderloin filet, bacon, onion, gorgonzola sauce, sweet potato pavé, spinach chiffon day. Be sure to ask your server about Frackleton's wine pairings for your selection. Time for new tires? Your timing couldn't be better because Midas is rolling out the best deals on top-rated tires. Buy three, get one free with installation on Cooper and hand-cooked tires and up to a $100 mail-in rebate. Midas also has big savings on brakes, shocks, fluid flush, even save 20 bucks on an oil change. Check out the Midas ad in the Country Bounty for details. Roll into Midas before the end of the month for these big savings. Midas Tire and Auto on East Brundage Lane in Sheridan. Do you ever use words that you don't know the meaning of just to make yourself sound more photosynthesis? Well, at the Health Nut, you don't have to sound all that smart to feel better about yourself. You can do that at the Healthy Soup, Salad, Sandwich, and Smoothie Bar. And aisle after aisle of healthy supplements to keep you sharp as a centroid. In an organic grocery store that is just as smart. The Health Nut, on Sheridan's Fifth Street, where you will always leave feeling calculus. It's time to spring into action and bid on the Spring Into Savings online auction at SheridanMedia.com. We've got plenty of items for spring cleaning for health and wellness or for just plain fun. Restaurant certificates, retail store certificates for Sheridan and Buffalo restaurants. You can place bids on golf, movie theater passes, dog training, spa certificates, and tons of items for your spring projects. Browse all the items, place your bid, check back. Spring Into Savings online auction on now at SheridanMedia.com. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, proudly brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. This morning, we're speaking with District 22 Senator Dave Kinski. It's been almost a week since this year's legislative session came to a conclusion. And we've got a caller real quick. Uh, go ahead, caller. You're on Public Pulse. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Senator Kinski, this county assessor. Uh, since you were talking about the uh, property tax refund, the applications just came out, so I just thought I'd update you on that. Uh, the filing deadline is Monday, June 5th. Monday, and June 5th. June 5th, yep. And, 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 and Paul, they, they, they actually get that from the treasurer's office? or They can get it from the treasurer's, and I printed a bunch, so we have some in my office. Um, they can go on to the Wyoming, State of Wyoming Department of Revenue website, get them there as well 
Okay. Fantastic. Thank you so Thanks, much. Paul. I yeah, I just wanted to give you that update since you guys were talking about that. So, and the income limits is eighty six four, which is one hundred twenty five percent of the statewide median household income. So, I was going to say that's probably the majority of us. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, so people they're available. So and they got to be current on your twenty twenty two taxes. So I know the second half isn't due until May tenth. So, um, you know, folks might wait till after they pay those and then be current now i'm gonna ask a question just because i'm sure it's on some folks minds uh does this application look pretty convoluted i mean is this going to be a hard process or an easier process to get through uh floyd i'm looking at it's a one two three page application okay so not pretty similar yeah you just got to fill out household members and i'm sure attach your copy of your income tax and that kind of thing looks like um, now they did change. You got to be a resident for five years. Why am we resident for at least five years? And you have to have lived in the home for at least nine months. Right, and you got to be nine months occupied in the house. So. And you're now correct me if I'm wrong, but that has to be your primary residence. Yes, correct? sir. Yep. Okay. Yep. I know Absolutely. a lot of people vacation uh, yep. and and have property here, but right. the the one that you're going to be applying for has to be your primary residence. Exactly, and then you know obviously if you have other rentals or real estate holdings. You, you're not going to really qualify for this, but it does help the folks that really need the help, I think. so. Absolutely. All right. All right. Just wanted to update you on that. I greatly appreciate that hey, call. That was fantastic. You, bet. you guys have a great rest of the show. Thanks, you too. <laughs> Thank you. you. That was County Assessor Paul Fall. I really appreciate it. He's full-service operation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Giving us a call, letting us know. Uh, so, f- folks, there you go. Make sure you get down there. There's two places you can get it. Uh, you've got your deadline. Uh, I will be sure to get that up on the website today. Super. So if you've got to double-check that, we'll have that information up on SheridanMedia.com. Now, uh, Senator... Uh, we've talked about property tax uh, pretty well. Would and I, I'm kind of going off script here, but if we really think about it, with all the work that was done, everything that happened, there there are still individuals out there who feel that not enough was done. Were you getting more of of that kind of response before the eleventh hour signing of, of this new bill? Or do you feel maybe not enough was done at all? Well, no, I, I think I'm happy that we got anything done, actually. I would have, uh, I, I did not anticipate the difficulties that we would encounter in our in our Wyoming Constitution. And it's set up the way it is for a very good reason. You know, the, the founders said, hey, we don't want, we don't want um, some future legislature deciding they're going to load everything onto industry and, you know, everybody else skates. And they didn't want too many big gaps between the different kinds of property tax. But we ended up with some complication there. Your question is, was I hearing from people before the 11th hour fix that not enough was being done? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think um, I think people were watching, waiting, hoping like we were. The difficulty when you're down in Cheyenne, Floyd, is you don't receive mail, U.S. mail, right? Hardly anybody writes mail and what you get is email and the email is absolutely overwhelmed yeah with i mean you'll pull up an email and it'll say as a resident of park county i demand okay delete 
As a resident of Sublet County, I demand delete. They're all forms. It'll, when you see something that says, to Senator Dave Kinski and 92 others, you just delete it. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's some website saying, you need to call these guys, you need to email these guys. And they're all forms. Every form is identical. And so it doesn't, it doesn't give you much feedback. So what you try to do is go through where and find an email from a person in Johnson or Sheridan County who says, hey, this is what's important to me. Yeah. As opposed to just these blasts. And so you, and pretty soon you just can't even keep up. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I, I used to say every email will be read. I can't even do that anymore. And I don't know about the rest of the delegation. They probably all have the same experience where you go, you open up the email and it says, you now have 380 unread emails. You go, Whew, okay, I got to go through and find the, you know, the, the dozen. Yeah. So I actually, I, I, uh, out of my own pocket, I, I pay a, a person to be an admin to go through those and try to find the ones that look like they're actually from somebody in Johnson and Sheridan County that, you know, maybe put a little bit of thought into it. And not a lobbyist or, or someone exactly. reaching out the entire delegation. And so what she would do then is to her credit, if they were mass emails, you know, just a, a blast, but she would count the number of people who are from Johnson and Sheridan County who said, Hey, this is what I think about this bill and say, you know, you got 15 emails from people in Sheridan or Johnson regarding this bill. And, and, and this is the, and then she would have a copy of the, the email because they were all identical. So, but there was a lot of activity out there. Uh, I, I knew going in pr property tax was a priority, but you were getting emailed about all kinds of bills. I was, I was amazed at how many different bills attracted a lot of attention. One for instance, was a trust fund for outdoor recreation. I'm amazed at how much, how much email came in on that. I'm amazed at how many people texted me on that one. I, I, it attracted a lot of attention. You know, sometimes you just get surprised by that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's it, what you have to do is you've got to be sure that you, you're moving around in your district. You're listening to people in your district all year round and that you feel comfortable that you understand what most of the people want so that when you get down there and you're in the middle of this just nonstop action that you really have the, the, the sense of, of what it is that you and how you've got to vote. Plus the fact that I run as a conservative and I am a conservative and I get elected as a conservative. So that helps guide a lot of what I do too. Yeah. But you got to put your concrete shoes on before you wander into the, <laughs> into the tornado, <laughs> keep you grounded. Right. Yeah. I like that imagery. <laughs> That's good. Now, uh, it, you are also, you're the chair of the Appropriations Committee uh, for, for the Senate. As you sat down with the governor's budget proposal this year, what were your initial thoughts when you guys read through that? Well, I was pleased that the governor initially proposed to put um, almost three quarters of a billion dollars into permanent savings. Um, there were some other aspects of the budget that I was... Um, uh, less enamored of, although, you know, if you cross-examined me now, I, I don't know that I could really recall exactly what it was because the budget goes through so many changes as, mm -hmm. as it goes through the budget process. I liked the idea that he asked for additional funding for what's called the large project fund. 
And so what that is, is he's, he's asked for money that can be set aside for some of these huge projects that the federal government has billions of dollars set aside for that represent sort of Wyoming Energy Future 3.0, if that makes sense. Uh, carbon capture, utilization, and storage. Uh, natrium nuclear plants. Um, the uh, strategic ground-based missile system, defense system. That's a huge project. That's a trillion-dollar upgrade to our, our missile system that is going to bring a lot of money into into Wyoming and, and Nebraska and, and the Dakotas, you know, where all those missiles are staged. And so for a lot of these pro uh, hydrogen hub, uh, green hydrogen, so green in the sense that it's, you know, it, it's, it's a net carbon neutral yeah. sort of generation of, of hydrogen. And so to be eligible for those projects, you have to have not tens of millions, but potentially hundreds of millions of dollars available to say, hey, we want to be part of that. If you put in government, you know, a billion and a half dollars, we'll put in $200 million. So almost like a, a bit of a match or it, a percentage it, match. It is a, it is a match. And so the governor, uh, but when we left, he has $300 million in that fund. And then if it doesn't get used, if we don't win in one of those projects, then the money will go right back into the state's checking account. But I was pleased with that part of the governor's budget. I was pleased with the savings part of the governor's budget. Um, I was pleased that uh, he didn't increase spending much except where it needed to be, for instance, um, pay scale for state employees that that had to happen um it it had to happen because when you can't get pile truck drivers when you can't get officers to run highway patrol you got a problem and the salary surveys it will not come as a surprise floyd when i tell you that the people at the top they were all pretty close to market yeah. <laughs> the yeah. problem was the guys really guys and gals really at the front line doing the work? Boots on the ground. Boots on the ground. When you see that the highway patrol is at less than fifty percent of of what it takes, you know, market wage. When you see that uh, snowplow operators were less than fifty percent of of what is estimated to be a market wage, and you can't get snow, you got to be able to plow the snow. You got to be able to get highway patrolmen out there. You've got to be able to have the hewers of wood, the drawers of water, as it says in the Bible. And uh, those are the those are the folks where the money really needed to uh, go, and that's where the lion's share of that went. That that's about a hundred million dollars out of um, out of what the governor's budget was, and that that had to happen. Had to happen. Now, when it, when we look at the budget, um, you you had your goal of putting the savings mm -hmm. away. That yep. that was a, a big goal. Finish a lot that you wanted in your hand as you cross the finish line. When you were looking at everything, was there anything else about the budget or any type of, of maybe pet project that you wanted to make sure was funded as you were getting south? Well, uh, you know, there's, of course, construction locally, like for the college that, that is in the budget. Um, I don't know that I'd call that a pet project. That's the kind of thing that works through the pipeline in a very deliberative process. I did want to see the um, the Fifth Street CTE project that, that the school district and um, uh, the city are putting together. The city has to sponsor it because they're the only ones eligible for this ARPA grant money, the American Recovery Program Act. 
Um, that's money that was printed during COVID. And uh, that project, they just, they didn't get it. They did not get it. I mean, part of the problem was the city engineers decided their projects were going to be a higher priority, uh, which is a problem because when you go down to Cheyenne and you say, this is an important project, and they look at you and you say, well, your city decided it wasn't. Mm -hmm. What do you do then? So finally at the 11th hour, the, the city stepped back and said, okay, well, we'll put our projects at a lower ranking and, and let the 5th Street project be ranked a little bit higher. And then the um, state superintendent, Megan Degenfelter, made a motion to move that 5th Street project. This is the CTE, Career Technical Education, that on the old Holly Sugar project, a property that they were going to try and build, you know, additional CTE training for high school students in conjunction with the college. Nice project. Be, do some great things for our students and for our community. A real leg up going, just, going forward. Just absolutely huge. And so it was on the do not fund list. That was the recommendation of state staff. And uh, state superintendent of public instruction, Megan Degenfielder, said, I move that we, that we move that up to uh, consider it for funding. And that passed. And so it was considered, but it just it, it didn't get through there. And it's just um, it's a real missed opportunity for the community. Uh, I mean, I get it. The engineers always have, you know, broken sewer pipes they want to fix. But sometimes there's things that, uh, you know, just have got to come ahead of that that are really going to move the community forward much more quickly. Um, but to their credit, even though at the 11th hour, what I understood is the engineers finally st stood down. Um, and th that project, I know that uh, Don Julian is, is very passionate about it, as is uh, Scott Stoltz, uh, school superintendent. And I've told him, you know, it's a great vision. The funding will be found somewhere it, later, if not sooner. But the funding will come along at some point. Just got to do a little digging. Be digging, yeah. <laughs> and that, that, is, that was one that was kind of a pet project for me, just because I think it can do so much for our youth and so much for our community. That one you were willing to fight for. Yeah, absolutely. All right. When we come back, we're going to have more with our Senator Dave Kinski. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM shared. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, 307 Discovery Center is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. When the unexpected happens, you may wonder what's next. Champion Funeral Home can help you through this phase of life. They provide support and personal services while helping you create a meaningful tribute to your loved one. Champion Funeral Home has been locally owned and operated since 1911, providing compassion and care to Sheridan and Johnson County. Visit Champion Funeral Home at championfh.com or call 674-6329. 
Shan Foster with the Country Pet Inn talks about dog training and behavioral issues that dog owners may be experiencing. If the dog's not listening to you consistently and with distractions, it's not trained. And most people say, well, my dog's trained. It can sit, it downs, it comes when I call it. Well, what about when Joe Squirrel runs by? What about when that semi comes by honking its horn? Well, those are the things that I train for in real life. Most of the time, it's all through basic obedience. Now, by doing that, you take care of a lot of the behavioral issues, shyness issues, aggression issues, possession issues. When you put that dog in that mode or the dog understands its role, a lot of those things go away. Whether your dog has obedience issues where it doesn't listen to you or come to you when you call it, stealing food from the table, excessive barking, aggression issues, you name it, we'll work together to solve it. I help people understand their dog. I'm very fond of that. If you want to get a hold of me, go to countrypetin.com or call 674-8582. Hi, this is Guy Cameron, Compliance Director for Cowboy Skill Games. This April, Cowboy Skill is expanding their Wyoming locations, allowing for additional revenue to help support our local businesses. Cowboy Skill is proud to be a Wyoming-based company and has earned the gold standard of compliance. To find out more about adding the highest earning skill games to your business and keeping our tax dollars in Wyoming, log on to CowboySkillGames.com. That's CowboySkillGames.com. Hi, this is Jill Bates with The Best Team. We hope your new year is off to a great start. Ours is going great, and we're ready to get to work for you. We've closed most of our listings, and we're ready to do a full-court press to help you get your property listed and sold. Our team has the knowledge, experience, and focus to get your home closed on your terms. Give us a call today, 675-BEST, that's 675-BEST, or go online at bestwy.net. Make it a great day. Proudly brokered by eXp. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse. Proudly brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. My guest this morning is District 22 Senator Dave Kinski. The senator also serves as the chair of the Senate Appropriations Committee. Now, if you don't know what that is, sir, can you explain to people just exactly what the Senate Appropriations Committee does and then kind of walk us through the process of that the budget had to go through this year. Okay. So appropriations is just a, a much larger word for spending. So the appropriations committee oversees the state budget. That's 98% of what we do. That's our responsibility. And so there's over a hundred state agencies and our job is to go through the budget of every single one of them. Um, during the budget session, we start from scratch and look at everything in a, what would this past one was called a supplemental where we just, you know, it's kind of a treetops view of any changes that we've got to have. Our budget is on a two year cycle. So two year for, so a year ago we put together a two year budget. Then you come back midway and take a look and say, are there any adjustments that need to be made? And so it's, um, it, it's, it's very detailed work. It's work for which there's not a manual. You can't take a course. You just have to be sitting in that agency budget room day after day, month after month, year after year, listening to these budget presentations over and over again until you hopefully achieve some degree of mastery of, of the budget and uh, an understanding of the departments and the department heads. And then really drilling down in a polite way, but drilling down to try and figure out what's really going on 
I always I have this joke, Floyd, that uh, when they have bureaucrat meetings where they're all sitting around over a beer, they go, oh, yeah, that Kinski thinks he's so good. You know, I, I've been through eight chairmen and four governors. You know, they all come and go. You just feed them a little BS and send them on their way. I don't know whether that's true, but... Sometimes you, you've got to ask the same question multiple times to try and get to the right answer. Until you finally get it down. Until too. you finally get it down. So that's what the Appropriations Committee uh, is. So what happens is the governor starts his budget process in July 1 of this year. He will start putting together a budget for the coming two years. So July 1, he starts that process off with his department heads, and then shortly before the 1st of December, he is due to present a budget to this, the appropriations committees for the House and the Senate. And then we spend December going over his budget, and then we come back again in January and finish our work, and then the session will begin uh, in February of 2024. So by the time we gavel in February of 2024, I will have had four weeks in Cheyenne um, going going through the budget in, in laborious detail with my committee and with, with the House's Appropriation Committee. Where do we want to approve what the governor recommends? Where do we want to change what the governor recommends? Then from there, once session actually meets, do you guide the rest of Senate through that process as a committee uh, basically answering questions, helping them to understand spending or, or why the committee decided to do something? That's the ideal. That's my ideal. That's not the way it's always been. I mean, there's there was a philosophy for a long time that you kept the rest of the Senate and the House in the dark. Wow, really? Yeah, that's it. just it, that they would obfuscate, uh, that they would run the budget out and, and uh, you know, People on the floor didn't necessarily understand it the way that I feel they should be able to understand it, that the information that they needed to have wasn't necessarily shared. And so that's been a change that's been underway since I first arrived at the legislature nine years ago. At that time, we had a fellow by the name of Drew Perkins, who was a senator from Casper, who said, we are going to work towards more transparency. So I'll give you, for instance... The Appropriations Committee historically has had this, they'd call it the cheat sheet, It's and it's a, a 14 by 20 sheets of paper that summarize the budget in a spreadsheet form that was never given to the people on the floor. So they figured that those individuals out there on the floor had already selected, in a way, who they wanted to be on this committee, and they'll handle it. I guess... I guess, but it just to, to me, it just was unfair to say, look, here, here people have been elected. Uh, they each represent 18,000 to 20,000 people. They're here. They should be able to participate meaningfully in the budget. The budget should not hit their desk the day they're supposed to vote on it. Mm -hmm. and, and they should have all the tools available to them that the members of the Appropriations Committee have so that they can fully understand that budget bill whether it's extra spreadsheets, whether it's extra memos. So my presentation on the floor, I'd say, you know, this is your budget. You know, we did our work. Now it's up to you. And if you have any questions, ask us. If there's any resource that you need, I will share it with you. I want everybody here to be able to participate meaningfully in this budget process. That's my ideal. And that's, that's been a change from the way it's sometimes been done in the past.
Now, once everything started to settle, uh, we are, I think, about six days out from the conclusion. Um, the governor said that he would have liked to have seen more money go to suicide uh, prevention, education. Uh, what did go to mental health? Uh, and, and I know I'm kind of throwing this question at you out of the dark, but what were those discussions like? I only have about three minutes left. But. Well, on the suicide hotline, that's something that's been underway for four or five years where Wyoming said we need to have our own hotline instead of participating with other states. You know, I've got mixed feelings about that, but the decision was we're going to have our own hotline. So as long as we're doing it, we have to f fully sponsor it. And so it was fully funded. There was a proposal to create a $50 million trust fund. I'm not big on trust funds. I mean, everybody, the reason people want trust funds is so they don't have to justify the, the expenditure and show that the money's being well spent. You get a trust fund, it just keeps sending you a check every year. So the trust fund aspect was not approved, but the, the suicide hotline was fully approved. We also uh, put a lot of the cuts back on mental health and substance abuse, which you know, suicide, substance abuse, mental health, all, all of it together. together. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of those cuts were restored. Some of them over my objection, because I'm afraid when the money runs out a year or two from now, we'll be back to cutting. But the cuts were restored and there were some increases put in, in a lot of those programs. So in terms of concerns about suicide prevention, uh, mental health, substance abuse, uh, those have been very well funded very well funded. So I, I think those concerns have, have been addressed. I, I hope so. I don't think a, a hotline is the solution. It's one piece of a much larger puzzle, which is why do we lead the nation in suicides in Wyoming? Mm -hmm. It's it's dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And there's not a one of us that hasn't been touched by it. I lost a nephew to suicide and it's, um, I, I don't know what the answer is, but we need to keep looking. Yeah, I did too. I lost a nephew. Uh, a cousin, um, a few friends. So uh, it, it's something that, uh, you know, I see I see where you're coming from on that, where it's let's find the, see if we can find this root cause to all of this. And there probably isn't one answer. There's probably a few. Um, but we need to get it need to get it nailed down. Yeah, a lot so of alienation in, in modern society for reasons that elude me, but it's there. Yeah. Well, uh, it's... You know, the good news is it's talked about now. Yes, yes. It used to be, I mean, they wouldn't even put it on a death certificate. They wouldn't even talk about it. It was unmentionable. And, and, and now it's out in the open. That's what has to happen. That, that discussion has to be there. Absolutely. Uh, and, and once we start discussing it, then we can start working on the problem, which is, I feel, the phase that we're in now. Uh, well, Senator Kinski, we have run out of time. I greatly appreciate you coming in this. Hey, morning, I'm happy sir. to be here. I had 18 more topics. To cover, <laughs> we had a lot more to go. Uh, I, I, I never have enough time with you, but I do appreciate uh, uh, the little time that I do have with you, sir. Thank, Thank you very much. It's a pleasure, Floyd. Absolutely a pleasure. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Share First 
Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, 307 Discovery Center is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. This is Dan Marshall with Captain Clean. While dirty ductwork and carpet doesn't necessarily mean unhealthy air in your home, school, or workplace, they may be contributing to larger health issues or harboring contaminants that could cause serious problems for people with respiratory health conditions, autoimmune disorders, or environmental allergies. Call Captain Clean today for your free HVAC and free carpet cleaning estimate. It's 100% free. Captain Clean, 672-0726. Affordable choices for healthy living. A tradition that started in 1934 is continuing into the new name and ownership of Waring Sheridan Chevrolet. You're still seeing the same faces that you've come to know at Hammer Chevrolet, now with the new name of Waring Sheridan Chevrolet. Same service department, sales team, parts, collision center. Waring Sheridan Chevrolet, honored to carry on the tradition of being Sheridan's top-tier full-service dealership. Stop by and welcome new general manager Tim Kugler and new sales manager Nolan Lemires. Hammer Chevrolet, now Waring Sheridan Chevrolet at 107 East Alger. Mossholder's Design Center proudly carries tons of American-made furniture companies. And right now, every piece of USA-made furniture is on sale. That means every single mattress, most sofas, most sectionals, and lots of chairs will be discounted. The majority of leather products and nearly all reclining pieces are made in the United States, too. Even select bedroom groups made from real barnwood or hand-finished by the Amish are on sale right now. Come support American factories and American workers at Mossholder's American-made sale going on now. Mossholder's furniture is our passion. Nyar, has your house or ship become so bad that your poop deck is now downright crappy? Paint peeling off, her barnacles are bringing down the neighbor's home values. Nyar, you need definite wire innovation, matey. You'll come by, take a look at your crappy poop deck, and make you an offer. No matter the condition of your ship, or I mean hose, set sail today to rid yourself of that dilapidated mess. Find out more at wireinnovation.com or on Facebook. Delicious McDonald's deals are now more fun, more accessible, and better than ever through the McDonald's mobile app. The app is now the only place you can earn My McDonald's reward points on every McDelivery order. Plus, you can get those free McDonald's rewards you earn delivered, too. Just order, relax, and enjoy. McDonald's will bring your faves to you. Just go to the Google Play or Apple App Store and download the new McDonald's mobile app and start saving. Download it now. McDonald's. 